Well, good morning. That was awesome worship. Good to be with you guys this morning. We, um, the, the, if you were here last week, you caught our first Dreams and Dialogue Sunday. If you didn't, listen, listen to the teaching. I apologize for how long it is. I really don't know. I don't think it was that long. So, but listen to it. Over this month, we continue to share um, the time when pastors and elders get away in June, and we just try to listen. We try to listen to God saying, God, um, where do you want to get our attention? What is it that you want to say to us as a church, as a family? And so that's what we did in early June. We've come back, and in August, we try to share those themes with you. And we, we put it to you not to say, here's what God said, so get on board. We put it to you to say, listen with us. Does this sound like God? Does this sound like the Spirit of God, right? We're looking for you to affirm, because you too know how to listen. You know how to, to weigh something, right? You know how to, to, to lean it up to what you know of God and the Scriptures and say, does this match with who God is? This, is this something He'd be saying to us? Our hope is that we would be able in the end to say, this is what we believe God's saying to, to us. And as Jesus said, the wise people are those who hear what I say and then do something about it. Put it into practice. Act on it. Make a plan. Step into it. Say yes to it, right? And so this is what we're trying to do over these weeks is just to say, could God be saying this to us? And what would it look like? What could it look like for every one of us to say yes? Yes, that's what God's saying to us. And we're, we're hoping that these things are all things that you could say yes to and, and do something with it. Instead of just the, the church creating a program and doing something. That, that doesn't involve us all, right? So that's what we're putting out there. Last week we shared, we felt like at least the overarching word that we are hearing from God is his call to us to be an inclusive community. And if you heard last week, I went through the stories of Jesus saying that this was, a, this was a discipleship question. This was a discipleship issue of going to include people and that God's expansive view of us all and reaching out to us all is to include us into his self, right? In, into God, that we've been included and that as we're included, we're invited to include others. So we, that matches of being an inclusive community. And so today, I want to take that, that word that we've heard, again, God's invitation for us to be inclusive, to include others, to have our eyes on the horizon of people, have their place in our hearts for them, that we could welcome them and receive them as God does. And I want to take that a little step further today. So we believe that God is calling us to be an inclusive community, a place to be known and, and, and that sounds just like a simple kind of word, but that is a very costly thing to be known. We feel like we're being invited to be known, right? To be deeply known and to yet belong. That you could be fully known. That's a lifelong journey of being known. But we feel like that's what we're being invited into. I think that reality of being known is one of the great battles of our culture right now. Some of the biggest voices that are getting the most um, traction in their message of good news, currently, I think, in the United States, or some of those, one is a person, Brene Brown, right? Her, her message of cultural scarcity, 
but then also of cultural wholeheartedness is something that's being met by so many people. It's, it's meeting a hunger within the soul of humanity. Part of what she talks about is the culture of scarcity that is described by this. You are never enough. You're not relevant enough. You're not extraordinary enough. Your life is marked by shame. Shame meaning um, you are not worthy, you're bad, you're a disgrace, right? Shame is the things that speaks to your identity and not towards your actions or behavior. It's marked by comparison when we continue to look at others and feel like we're being underneath the weight and the pressure of how others are performing and we compare ourselves to them. And it's measured also by a portion of disengagement. I, boy, I like that. Do you fit? Do you, can you relate to those things? That's what a culture of scarcity looks like. Now, however, in this, she's a quantitative researcher, a sociologist, and does a ton of research, and she says that we live in a culture of scarcity. But yet, among the culture, there's a culture of wholehearted living that's, that's marked by a, a couple of things that, that she references in her research. One of those, it's marked by um, a deep sense of love and belonging. And, and if you've been with us long enough, you know that we, when we speak to that, we think of, yes, God gives us that sense of love and belonging. He speaks to our identity as his kids, regardless of, not, not based upon how we do or what we do, but based on his love. But also among each other, a deep sense of love and belonging, and it's marked by a people who embrace vulnerability. I mean, they, they choose, she uses this language, they choose to show up and be seen. Like, to step in, to be vulnerable. To, to share with people what you think, what you're feeling, to, to make a move into the future for what you think would be good. Uh, real quickly, I'm not going to go through these, but I want to show you this picture. This is the 10 guideposts that she talks about to wholehearted living. I think it's really interesting. I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to read those or see those. Um, so look it up. Because... <laughs> I can't read them either. <laughs> I know on the one side it says to um, cultivating authenticity, but I can't even read the red, and I, and I should have put those on something different. I found that. Go online, the 10 guideposts. Here's what I was going to do with this with you. Take a picture of it and, and, and look for the one that stands out. Which one rises to the surface of, oh gosh, that's my biggest battle when it comes to scarcity living. So if you like this kind of stuff, this could be a tool just for engaging life, for measuring up against your life, something just to look at and say, what rises to the surface? And invite God to speak into that. So those are 10 guideposts, really helpful for you. You can find it online. But we are called to be an inclusive community. This whole part of being a wholehearted community is a place of being known, right? Of love and belonging. And to embrace this vulnerability, to be known. What I think it means to known currently is a couple of things. That we're communicating the highs, we're communicating the lows, and, and we're speaking to, to transitions of life, right? Those sort of mixed spots of the in-betweens that are marked by highs and lows with something new coming. 
Um, and in this book that I, I've read in the last year, it was called The Power of Moments. And Dan and Chip Heath, they talk about this, the power of moments, that we live in moments. And they call the highs peaks, and they call the lows pits, and then they call the transitions pivots or transitions. But so much of life is lived into that, these high moments of life, right? Where we're known, we're known, and, and you celebrate the highs. You mark these highs, right? The highs that we celebrate with people, the high points of life with people getting married and having babies and the high, graduating high school like Tim Deswan over there and the high points of finishing up degrees when you step in to, to life, right? When you, when, you, you make, when you study for a long time and all of a sudden you step in to a field that you get to do that you sent your callings from. There's, there's all these highs that we have from graduating college, getting your first job, and we celebrate these. The highs of buying a home or paying off your home for maybe some of you who have done that, right? Um, the highs of getting out of debt. When you've set that right, we celebrate these. And life is meant to be celebrated where somebody knows those high points. One of my favorite high points that is like etched in my soul is celebrating the high of adopting my son. And some of you were there, right? We we invited community into the courthouse with us, right? And celebrated, even even the the, um, judge, you know, marking out a little ceremony when he's speaking these words of life to us. And then afterward, we threw a party in our house, right? The biggest party to celebrate this moment, right? That... His identity has changed forever, and so is ours. It's a high point. Beautiful times. We're meant, to, we're meant to be with people when they know the highs, right? And then also the lows. The lows of life, the pits. And we all have them. The reality of life, I remember they said that majority of us have these low spots that would bring every one of us to our knees. If we knew the things that people were going through, if we knew the things that you have gone through, if we had known the lows within your journey, it would rock us all. And the part of being known and belonging is that having the people who know those pits, they know when you're in them, right? They, they, they know that. And a part of being in a community is a community, not only that you celebrate the pits, but you, you celebrate the highs, but you fill the pits, Sometimes you fill the pits with just being present. And you, fill, you fill them with your presence and your love, your proximity. Sometimes you fill the pits with, with your muscle, right? And you show up with somebody who needs something physically done and to be able to move in a task. Sometimes you fill those pits with money and resources in order to meet those, in order to meet those needs that people have. But pits, these, these low spots, are meant to be filled and when you're in a place where you're, when you're known, people know the pits you're in. We believe that sometimes there's secret battles, there's pits, the low spots that many of us are in and that are secret. And we let no one know them because we think it's connected to shame and our identity. If someone knew we were struggling in this place, if someone knew the addiction that we were struggling in, that I was struggling in, If they knew the places that we were stuck, or if they knew the mistakes that we had made, if we knew the pits that we were in financially, emotionally, physical pits, right? And so we sit in this sort of, these secret battles, and we remain unknown. We believe these pits are are, are meant to be a spot where they're known in community, and there can be a group of people who can step in and help fill them, you know? 
some of those big pits that people have gone through, right? I mean, even currently, you know, we have a number of our beloved community have lost spouses, right? In this last two years and stuff. You know, we got Tom, you know, Bev, you know, Sandy, Jenny, right? You know, I mean, right? We're, we're all here. We know that that pit, right? That pit of that moment of that loss. And the people have come together and pulled together and, you know, and, and, you know, so many have done that in that pit. And there's this need of community and family to come in and to fill that pit. And some of us have, in those pits of illness, I mean, our, our current, my current pit is the one that of my wife, Carmel, not being able to breathe, right? Continuing to struggle up and down with, with oxygen. And people are coming and filling our pit, right? Coming in to help us with our son and and without family, right? The family comes in and help us, and, and people here come and help us, and some other friends. I mean, no one wants, you know, we don't like being in the pit. We want to be the one who fills the pits for others, right? Who, who helps fill in the low spots. You don't like being in the low spot. And the people who love us in this community said, you know what? We sense God was inviting us to give you some money, right? And, and for them, it was, a, it was a mark of generosity, right? It was like, and, and it's so hard in that moment, right? I don't know if you, like, you, how many of you would be able to receive it? How many of you have people tried to do that and you've said no, but yet you needed it? We had to let people help us. And part of being known is that we would know the pits we are in, even if we have caused them. Even there's some part of us that have caused it, right? See, guilt is when we look at our own behavior and we say, oh, yeah. A part of this was my behavior that actually caused this pit. Sometimes the pits are not our doing. I love um, Tim Keller when he talks about the pits that we get into. And and he says this, and I've I've held on to this. He says, we didn't get into the pits by ourselves. Right? There There was always other parts that played a part of this. And you don't get out by yourself. How many of you are trying? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you are trying, saying, I'm going to get out by myself so I don't have to tell anybody actually where I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm going through, where I'm at? See, this is the one, this is the cost of actually um, being known, is that you got to share the pits. Sometimes the pits are just emotional stuff, right? Sharing how you feel, either disconnected or unknown or unworthy. You're, you're feeling the culture of scarcity, that's saying you're not enough. But we think to be a community to be known is that people would know um, the peaks and, and celebrate the peaks, the high points. They would know the pits, the low spots, um, and that they would step in with transitions, right? They would um, mark transitions. So we celebrate the highs, we fill the lows, and we mark the transitions. So I'm talking about transitions, right? There, there's, there's a lot of transitions in life, right? Th- those transitions come from going into high school, right? Starting school, um, graduating high school, starting college, graduating college, going to your first job, getting married, having kids, the death of your parents, the death of a spouse, um, kids leaving your house, right? There, there's tons. Um, retirement. Um, and then the end of life stuff, right? Lots of transitions. 
They're to be marked. To be marked in a way that we say, the old is gone, the new has come. Some of these transitions we don't want, right? And some of the transitions we celebrate. The transition of going from married to single, right? That is a transition. And Jenny, thank you so much, last for sharing in your testimony, right, with us of talking about that transition, right? And, and just this last week, we were sitting with um, Mike and Amy Lyon. And Mike got diagnosed with leukemia eight weeks ago and was like, we're going to be able to fight this. Doctors were super optimistic. And then six weeks into it, they're like, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do. And they're facing, Mike is facing the end of life transition that every one of us will face. And he's facing it with calm and peace that he can't explain. Community in Jesus, right? But Amy is saying, church, if you could pray for me, here's, here's my prayer request, right? To be able to endure what's coming. The pit and the transition. And to be a part of a community, to be known, is one where we step into those. Where we live into those. We're marked by that. I think that's a discipleship thing, and I think it's clear in the scriptures this is how they lived. Here's Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is the marker of the early church that was formed by Jesus, that was empowered by the Spirit of God, and that was birthed. This is what they looked like. This is how they lived. There's a couple of things that grabbed my attention with being a community that's known, right? And, and here's what it says about them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and these apostles were just people who were with Jesus, right? So they're devoting themselves to the teachings of Jesus, being shaped by Jesus, to fellowship, together, right? um, to the breaking of bread. It's just another way of saying of eating shared meals together that Jesus has pulled in of saying, hey, do this, eat together, be together, and I'm with you in remembrance of me, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and they're beginning to talk about the season, and many wonders and signs were being performed to the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, the temple, so this was a place, right? It was, a, it was a, in some regard, a more of a public kind of space where they could gather into the temple together. Um, and they broke bread from house to house. They met in their homes. They ate their food with, with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So here's this part of Acts, right? Here's this picture of this community that is flourishing and growing. Um, and every day their numbers being grown by being a community where they are known, where they belong. Where they have these patterns of being known and they belong to each other. They know the teachings of Jesus. They have fellowship. They share meals together and they pray. When they're praying, they're praying about the same things that Jesus has taught them to pray, about the things they're concerned with. They're praying about the kingdom. They're praying about the world. Right? And they're doing fixed hours of prayer together. They're eating meals together. They're being known as they sit in their homes and they sit at their tables. When it says they shared their possessions and they gave to anyone in need, it means they knew needs. It means that when people had a need, they actually said something, right? And they, they told the needs that they had. And the community saw themselves and a part of their identity was
was to fill the pits, to fill the low spots that people were in. And they would enjoy these moments of joyful and sincere of eating meals together. I don't know about you, but most of my high points are around a meal to celebrate something together. So much of community in life, the best spots is with the people you love, that you're known with, you belong to, and you share a meal. It doesn't have to have meat. Maybe. It doesn't have to have meat. Right? You say, no, I'm, I'm a little bit weird. I'm crazy about meat. So it doesn't, you know, right? It's not about the food. It's about that moment and that shared community together. This is what they did, a joyful encounter, these everyday practices and patterns of being shaped like Jesus, eating meals together, learning who he is, sharing what they have, gathering in a public space to be encouraged in the life of Jesus, to be a community of people who belong and are loved, where high points are celebrated where the lows are filled and where transitions are marked with people, where we're reminded of who Jesus is and to live into that life together, wow, we become that community, a place to be known. St. Patrick, who's a hero of mine, says that the church, it began by creating living communities of people trying to discover what it meant to be part of God's great story. What does it mean to be a part of God's story? His great story of creation, redemption, reconciliation, and transformation of the world. What does it mean to be a part of that great story? His simple, St. Patrick had that same as the early church and the pattern of Jesus. He had this core community of people, they called them workers, right? And they had an open invitation to join at any time into their community. Their community that is not centered around um, a fixed building like this, but was centered around homes and a common space and common meals and common patterns. It's a simple invitation to join. And everything else came through a community of people who were doing life together, right? Everyday life together. And for them, it was living together in peace and meeting the needs of people around them as those needs became known. Those are two things, I think, that mark the people of Jesus. To live at peace and to meet needs. And, and, and I, don't, I don't mean, and the, one, the peace word is tough because we know what it is to have fractured relationships. We know what it is for there to be rifts within relationships. We know what it is to be cut off from people or to cut ourselves off from people. But to live at peace, to be peacemakers, to help build peace within families and communities where there is brokenness, and to help people live in peace with one another, to live in peace with our world, to live in a place of shalom, that, that is, that, that's the mark, right? That we need people who are peacemakers and also we meet needs. Wow. Could that be a spot of what it is to be a community that's known? Well, you're known. They know the needs are known and the rifts within our community are known. And, and those spots are met through the practices of Jesus and the personality of Jesus. I want to invite us into that. 
I want to invite you into this and to, could this be a word for us where God's inviting us to be an inclusive community, a place where we could be known, where we could share the highs, the lows, and the transitions with others. But in order to do that, there comes that cost. There comes the cost of actually being present with other people who can know you, that you have to embrace vulnerability. You have to, you have to be seen and heard, right? You got to show up and be seen. And for us, that's more than just here because the reality is you can show up and be seen here but not be known. But I don't believe it's possible to have a regular practice of going into someone's home and a weekly ever sharing a meal with them. It's much harder to show up and be seen and not be known in that practice if you've got a group of people who are asking questions about life. And I want to invite us to say, could it be that God's inviting us to continue to pay the great cost of those kinds of practices? practice of gathering together but also in the homes and many of you do it in our groups and we continue to encourage that and build more we have desire for way for more of those so i want you to encourage you to continue those practices but i want to encourage you that potentially that i would like for us to be able to from here's just one of my takeaways it's it's silly but i think it it ties into this there's three seasons there's three parties there's three patterns that i want us as a church to mark and celebrate now these are bigger patterns that i think that help illustrate some of the highs and lows of life where they get brought to the surface through these patterns and i want to invite us church to learn how to do these and do them and and all of them will stretch you in far as what it means to be to be inclusive and to be a place where you belong and known because for many of these three if a majority of you say i don't belong and i don't know if i should throw a party like that you're going to feel a little bit of insecurity okay so here's the three and i'm going to put them in the order of the calendar so get out your phones write these dates down because if we're going to throw these events Oh, here, here we are. I've, I've already given you the three, right? There you are. So the first one. It's in October. This is a Jewish festival. For those of you who ever read the Old Testament and the Torah, the, the books of the law, there was three mandated festivals that God spoke into through the scriptures. All scriptures that inspired and breathed out and good for instruction, teaching, right? All scripture is good. This is one of the three. It was mandated for people who were Jewish, right? And it's mandated that you celebrate it in Israel. So I'm not telling you to do that. But there's this festival. It's called the Festival of Sukkot. The Festival of Booth. It always booths. B-O-O-T-H, right? The booths. It has two themes to it. One is this is the harvest festival in Israel. That's when um, all the cranes and the crops have been harvested. It's a time of abundance. It is the Thanksgiving of Judaism. Right? It, it's the marker of God's abundance of his goodness. But it's also called the Festival of Booths because they are commanded by God to go back into a booth. And I've got a picture of a, of a sukkah. That's what it's called, the Festival of Sukkots. A sukkah is a little tent or shelter. So this is just a shelter. Um, you can, it can be whatever. It's three-sided. And on the roof is living branches. Anything alive. Branches, tree, you know, limbs. Because you need to be able to see the stars. Because in it, you're reminded that God is your covering. And this festival reminds the people that there was a 40-year period of time when they wandered in the desert. And yet, they were fed, covered, protected. Their clothes didn't wear out. In this pit of life, God provided for them. 
And so at this time, they step into this moment and they celebrate God's provision, agriculturally, a peak in the season of the year, and maybe even potentially a pit, a reminder of the pit and saying, God fills pits. God fills low spots with his goodness and provision and presence. And he does that through his people. This is one of the festivals. Um, so what you do is you, you can put up any kind of thing in your backyard and you throw a party. Right? You throw a party uh, and you invite people over to be grateful for the high points of life, right? For the places where God has provided, where he's filled in the gaps with his provision. What are you grateful for? And you throw a party and you invite anyone and everyone who, who wants to come to your party and celebrate where God has provided. And you remember the story that, you, that where God took care of a people in a place where there was no water, there was no food, and it's a barren land where most things die. But yet... They flourished. What a practice. And you could tell stories like this one that Brenda told me. Brenda, would you come up here? I prepped Brenda for this. She told me a story um, a bit ago of about a pit and God's provision in it. And um, I can't remember when it came up or why it came up, but I remembered it. And so, Brenda, would you share this story of the the low spot, right, in, in God's provision, the provision of people, and yeah. Okay, so it was uh, in my former marriage. This happened about 32 years ago. I was definitely in a pit. Uh, I needed to leave my marriage quickly, and um, I had a 14-month-old baby at the time, and I didn't know God then, but he knew me. Mm -hmm. And um, I... Uh, did, I found an apartment, but I had nothing but our clothes. I didn't have a bed. I didn't have dishes. And I was sitting on the porch, and um, I saw a woman taking a box of dishes, a neighbor, out to the street. And I thought to myself, is she moving or is she taking them to trash, you know, leaving them out there for trash? Well, if she's moving, and I ask her, because you know, I wanted them. I'm thinking, you know, if, she's, if they're going to be trash, I want them. Anyway, if she's moving, I'll never have to see her again. But if she's putting them out there for trash and I want them, I'm going to have to see her. And, but yet I've had to ask for these dishes. And um, she was putting them out there for trash. And I got them. <laughs> and I used them for a really long time. And... Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm just. Uh, Where are the dishes now? <laughs> in our attic, in a box, just as a reminder that um, uh, was a really low spot. Yeah. But God provided, right? He did. And, and so I know parts of your journey and John's journey, and I know the moments of transition that you're going through, right? Potentially at our head. Right. And, you know, that story, remembering that story, having places where you could remember that story and continue to retell it. What does that, what, I don't know, what, what does that do for you and others, you think? Well, certainly a, a reminder of hope 
and um, knowing that he will provide, and even in the scary transition that we're going through now, um, every day we just, I, I thank, we both thank him, but like I said, it wasn't in my life at that time, and I just know he will provide, and, and even more and better than we can imagine. Awesome. What I love about the story, she made herself known. She made herself known of saying, I don't have dishes, and this is your trash, and, and I could use those, right? It, right? It, it, that's vulnerable, right? Is that not humility? Right? Terrible. In that spot, in that spot that most would be ashamed, right? You feel like, ashamed, or, right? Whatever. I, or, instead of, no, this is being known, and, uh, and God providing. And that, that spot, I don't, I don't think any of us want to be there, but yet when we're there and we remember those stories, it could give us courage now to be known where we are, right? To be known where we are, to, to speak out the pits where we are so that we can see God move in his power and his goodness and his provision with all the light. And so I love that. And I love those dishes on your attic as a reminder, but also I'm sure that if anybody needed them, maybe, you know. <laughs> For sure. You need some dishes. Brenda, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That kind of story could be told, right? I don't know. You share the highs, the lows. You remember God's provision through story again and again and again. You tell the stories of God's provision in the pits where he provided, where you didn't know how you were going to get through. We have to tell those stories. And so I want to encourage you, church, throw a Jewish. You don't got to be Jewish to throw this party. How many here are Jewish? Oh, here's the thing. Jewish people don't even do this. I've invited so many Jewish folks to my Sukkot, and most of them are like, I've heard of it, but I've never been at one. The Orthodox Jewish people throw those parties, and Nate and I tried to crash one about 10 years ago. It didn't go so well, so we started throwing our own. So, but these are awesome, these are awesome parties. I want to encourage you to throw one. You don't got to call it the Festival of Sukkots, right? But if you could, I think this is something that as, as, as a people, for a place of being known and belonging, this is something that we could, we could do. And I want to encourage you to do it. So pick a night, pick a day, throw it out there, call it whatever, celebrate this party. The second one is St. Patrick's Day, right? St. Patrick was a missionary who said that we belong before we believe. And you've got to include people into that, into your spheres. This is a cultural holiday that every Christian should be celebrating because your friends will come, right? And you can just love them. Well, I mean, they, they can't, right? More likely they can't. Now, again, now if you're going to do it, you know, it's a St. Patrick's Day party, right? They're going to expect something. So if you have an Instapot, the corned beef and cabbage recipe is easy, inexpensive, and massive, so, Instapot users, corned beef and cabbage. And then you probably, if you want to you, you have beer, you can have beer. You don't have to. But if you're worried about that, get a cheap beer that has really low alcohol. Those are called session beers, right? So if you're nervous about over-liquoring up your friends, just get a really cheap beer with low alcohol. It'll be fine. Throw a party and be known. Welcome people. Belong. Have conversation around the table. Celebrate. The, because for that day, it's about celebrating community and belonging. And for every person that actually said yes to your invitation, what do you would think it would feel like for you to say, you belong here. Thanks for coming in. You belong here. We're glad you're here. Celebrate with us, community. That's March the 17th. It's a Tuesday night. You can do it on a Tuesday night. You can do it the weekend before. Um, but people would come. And you just love community. The third one that I think that we should be celebrating, that every Christian should be celebrating, is Juneteenth. 
June the 19th. It's the last, it's the, um, Texas was the final state to actually observe the Emancipation Proclamation, which was the end of slavery in the United States in 1865. In Galveston, Texas, they were the final one. It took two years for that message to finally be delivered to the enslaved peoples of America, right? And so it's called Juneteenth because it was June 19th in 1865 when that message was finally rendered to, you know, to slavery in the United States. And so June 19th is a holiday that celebrates the end of slavery. And it's a holiday that's being observed and it's gaining momentum and it, and it celebrates the end of slavery in the, in the United States. You talk about a pit, right? And you talk about um, a peak. What makes that day so unique is the mixture of those two things that some, many of us find it in conflict, right? But it's a pit and it's a peak. It's a high and a low. For me, a high point of our country is when we ended slavery, right? It's one of those marks we can finally say, hallelujah. Thank you, God, that we came to our senses. Thank you that it is over. In some parts, it's not, right? And for those who are involved in sex trafficking and stuff like that, right, and around the world. But thank you, God, that it's not, it's illegal. And so it's a peak, something good. It's so good, and we can celebrate that. It's also a pit, right? It's a pit that we remember for 250 years that enslaving people was a common day practice for everyone, for a majority of people. And many churches use scripture to justify it, and it's ugly, right? It's a pit and it's a peak, and, I, and I, I, love, I think that it's so good for us to have these places that we can be known, and we can step into that tension of that holiday, and we can celebrate the, picks and the pits, the low spots and the high spots of even culture, and be an inclusive community. And for some of you say, majority of you say, I'm not black. No, but you, you should be throwing these parties. You should be celebrating this holiday. You should say, this is good. This is such a good thing, and invite community to step in and celebrate in our country saying, this is over. Are there issues still? Absolutely. But we can mark something good and celebrate what is good and mark that moment and mark it with throwing a party, and we can also acknowledge this pit that needs to be filled of institutional racism. Those are three patterns that I think that is in a way, it's a place to be known. It's a, it's a way to acknowledge highs and lows and transitions and engage into these practices and to engage with people. I, I long for us to be this kind of a community, an inclusive community where you can be known, where you talk about the highs and the lows of lives and you speak to the transitions, where pits can be filled, where the highs can be celebrated and the transitions can be marked. I believe it's what God's inviting us into, a place you can be known. Oh, the, um, one, one scripture, one, one more, there's a story of Jesus. This is found in Luke 17, and I'll close with this, or I'll close closely to this. Jesus had healed 10 lepers, um, and they were, they were crying out because they were in desperation, a pit. And he heals them off. He says, go to the temple and be clean. And as they went on their journey, they were healed, all of them. But all of a sudden, one of them comes back to give thanks to God. And Jesus in this is kind of astounded, right? He's taken back by this, and this is in verse 15. But one of them 
seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't Jewish. He was kind of on the outside, not included. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Go on your way. Your faith has saved you. What I love about this story, one that returns to give glory to God, who's not even, doesn't even seem himself to be included, right? He's not even maybe included into this even tribe of Judaism. He's outside of the tribe. He's included in, and he comes back in, and he gives glory to God, and Jesus says, huh, is the foreigner the only one who comes back to give thanks to God? Your faith, your trust has saved you. I think this is for us, right? This is for us to be this place, to be a people that are known to be an inclusive community. You don't have to feel like you're a part, but you can come back and give glory to God. Here's the funny thing about every one of those parties that I recommended. You could say, I'm not Irish, I'm not Jewish, and I'm not black. And so maybe I shouldn't be throwing any of these parties, right? And I'd say, you should throw every one of those parties, regardless, and say, you're the one returning at every season to give thanks to God. Thanks to God for his provision of filling the pits in his life. His thanks to God for the eradication of slavery in this world and and to set in the pit with those who have been hurt and and undermined by the effects of um, institutional racism. And then then also to step into the idea of St. Patrick's Day to thank God for the peak moment of community. To be those who return to give thanks to God for these things. I think we're invited to be those kinds of people. Have I sold you to throw those parties or not? Anybody going to do it? You're coming to mine? We're hosting. Um, Can we throw up that slide of just better questions too? So this was something I was processing. And so take a picture of this. Um, If you're like me, you struggle with being able to be known and um, as we try to be, this was just how I was just kind of processing. I know that um, as guys and stuff and meeting girls, I think the two we struggle with depth. And I, I, I can't answer the question, how are you doing and what's new? Nothing comes to mind. I don't know how to answer it, right? I struggle there. I need help. These questions help me. What brings you joy currently? What's causing you the most stress? What's keeping you up at night? What changes do you sense that are coming? So if you're like me and you struggle to feel like you're being known or knowing others and don't know good questions, I think that take a picture of that and maybe you can begin to ask those with the people who you want to know you and you want to know, right? So as we're together, we could be asking about these kinds of things. That's just a little take home for you. Let me pray. So Father, we, we, we hear, we might be sensing this word from you of being an inclusive community, a place to be known, a place not to be in hidden battles, a, a, a place to disclose ourselves, a place to know the highs and the lows and transitions of life, God, and to involve others and to pull others into it who are even outside of this family. Because that's who you are. And so God, would you, would you let us hear what you're saying to us about this? about the way we're living and how you're inviting us to live. 
as you did. Help us invite us to live as your church, as your called out ones. As we read into Acts and what that looks like in practices and patterns. Help us, Lord, to hear you and then to act on it. Would you give us courage that we might be invulnerable and invite people into our spaces where we could be known and they could too. For the sake of the impact that you have on people of seeing them and a name given to them, of renaming them as sons and daughters and being reminded of them also, but remaking them and transforming them that all of us could also have that happen to us. Speak to us, Lord, that we might hear and act. Bring to the surface, Lord, what you want us to remember. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thinking about the message today and, and living in the highs and the lows, I think it's 